0: I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast, the weekly show that helps you spark hope and creativity for your life and business. In case we've never met before, I'm the chief creative officer and a leadership coach at a company called Rayma Team. I love copy dates and books, stiletto shoes, running, kayaking, and I just happen to be living with a disease called cystic fibrosis. I'm sharing my story as well as the stories of people from around the world to help you rise up with hope-filled action. Grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, overcomers, welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. I have a dear friend on the show today, and I'm so excited to talk to you about this idea of how do we keep our teams focused on the mission during a pandemic when we're all working remotely. So, my guest is Drew Hoyer. He has been in the nonprofit world for over 13 years, with eight of those years working with families who fight each day. Against the genetic disease cystic fibrosis, he is the associate executive director for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for the Minnesota and Dakota chapters. So drew, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: yeah, me too. thanks for having me i'm I'm really excited this is the first podcast I've ever done, so
0: that yeah, is interesting
1: yeah see how it goes.
0: <laughs> You're like the third guest in a row that has said this is my f- actually the fourth one now that has said this mm. is my first podcast episode. So I'm I'm honored to be the the host that can get you on the ground running with this whole podcast experience.
1: Yeah, who knows? Maybe this is the start of my big podcast career.
0: <laughs> it could be. So Drew, you are um, coming to us from the office in Minneapolis, right?
1: That is correct. We have a beautiful office downtown Minneapolis. It was just remodeled to next level quality. You you walk in here and you think you're working at Google or something like that. Um, which normally for a nonprofit you're like, eh. but everything in here was donated. Highest quality stuff. Over 60 vendors came together. It was it was just amazing. So super excited to be here. Uh, first time I've been here and. Six months
0: Oh gosh Yeah I know we had this big plan To come and see you Rachel and I did Um, We were supposed to be coming to Minneapolis I think it was back in April And Mm -hmm. then the pandemic hit And all of that got changed And I was so bummed Because I really wanted to see This new space Because I've seen pictures of it On social media um, But to be there in person Really would have been a fun time But someday We'll get there, right?
1: Someday soon, um, maybe April 2021. <laughs> <some point.
0: laughs> maybe we were just a year a year ahead of when we were supposed to be there. So right. before we dive too deeply into the topic, because we're going to have a great conversation today, I want to know the one question I ask every guest on the show is, if you were a shoe, what would you be? And what story does that say about you?
1: Yeah, so that, that was super cool when you put that in there and funny. Um, because normally I, I don't know, don't really pay attention to shoes. Although I do have a lot because my wife worked for Quicksilver and it's a company out in, um, Southern California and they own DC shoes. So I got all these free shoes, but the shoe I would be is the Lone Peak from a company called Ultra. And it's a trail running shoe. And the, the reason it's a trail running shoe and how that affects me as far as like my childhood and growing up, I grew up in Calgary, up in Canada, which one of the most amazing places in the world. Usually when you see those top 10 backgrounds or top 10 places you need to see before you die or whatever, Lake Louise is on there or Banff. And that's where I grew up. And my parents were always taking us out into nature, hiking, climbing, Camping, canoeing, fishing, everything you can imagine. We were in the mountains like every weekend. Downhill skiing was my favorite thing to do. So these trail runners, <laughs> a guy at REI told me to try them on because they, they won an award for trail running shoe of the year. Um, and they really kind of helped with a lot of foot pain I was having at the time, which is funny. So <laughs> that's what shoe I would be, the ultra uh, Lone peak.
0: I love that you actually sent me a link to this shoe uh, to show me what it looks like. There's only been one other person in the history of my experience of ever asking that question that has been like, I'd be this one. And it wasn't somebody that I would expect to ever do that. And it was like, whoa, you got really detailed about like showing me the photo even. That's awesome. And it wasn't like, here, I'm wearing it today. It's, I went to Google and copy and pasted the link so you can go see it yourself.
1: Yeah, I... um. I'm I'm pretty into the ultra team just because it like took away all my foot pain
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it did the same thing for my mom and my dad and my aunt. So I'm always trying to like push them out there because I mean you got to try these things. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I love that. Is,
1: it sounds weird to be geeked out about a pair of shoes though. So
0: oh, but you know, the older that you get, I'm finding that whole foot pain thing. Uh, it matters, and I am at the point in my life where. Four hours in my stilettos is about all I can handle. And it's a really sad thing. Oh. So I have to wear like my my running shoes. I have these A6 running shoes that mm-hmm. have a higher arch support and yep. took away all my foot and my back pain when I was running once I got yep. those shoes. So uh, they are actually now the shoes I also need to probably be walking in when yep. I'm at like a conference or whatever, when that happens again, whenever that is. Um, right. I will always be a stiletto girl. I can't let them go. I will shove my feet there until my dying day.
1: Yeah, they're cool. Um, As I get older, I think I just kind of tend towards comfort
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: everything. Um, So yeah, I hear you. Stilettos are pretty sweet, though.
0: Yes. Well, it's a mindset thing for me, but um, it's one of those things where this question is a great way for the audience to get to know you in a different (laughs) way, Um, and it's also a great way for like. Um, it's one of those unique icebreakers that we came up with years ago, and it just stuck. So thank you for humoring me with your your shoe choice and you know going down uh-huh. that road. Because what does that have to do with keeping our teams on mission um, during a pandemic? Absolutely nothing, other than it's life and it's a way to connect. So so let's talk about this a little bit, Drew. Um, also, okay, I have a little bit of envy that you said you have all these free shoes. So. In my brain, I was like, I couldn't even speak because I was trying to process, how do I get all these free shoes?
1: Yeah, I wasn't really into fashion and clothing until Jen started at, my wife started at Quicksilver. And there's this whole kind of design schedule. And it's usually a year long or a year and a half long, you know, so they're always working on like fall 2022 right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But in order to make the clothes, they need to have samples.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I am sample size. So Ooh. when all these samples were done being looked over and, you know, they're like, okay, we need to add an extra button here. They just give all these out to the employees.
0: Gotcha. And she
1: was the exec assistant to the CEO. So she got first dibs on everything.
0: A work perk. Like the best no. kind, if you like shoes. Crazy.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm still I'm still taking tags off of clothes and she worked there like seven years ago.
0: Oh, Wow. That's awesome. Okay, Not so let's crazy. let's get down to the the nitty gritty of what we want to talk about today, because you and I have had um, several Zoom meetings this year because um, being an advocate for the cystic fibrosis foundation is something that was on my my list of of priorities for the year. And we were going to, for the first time ever, turn the Great Strides Walk here in Bismarck, North Dakota, into a 5K run walk. And we were so excited about it. Like, I was like, yes, it's going to be awesome. And then we had to postpone it, first of all, and then cancel it altogether because of the pandemic. So this has really been a challenging season, um, a challenging year for a lot of nonprofits, not only in fundraising, but also in keeping their team focused and engaged and keeping your hopes up in the midst of this pandemic. And right. we've we've had conversations all year about how it's going and what you guys are doing. And we thought this could be a really beneficial episode to share with people of what you guys have been doing, what's been working, what the challenges are, and just kind of talking through that. So, Bring us back to when the pandemic started and what kind of went through your mind when it first started happening and the shutdowns first happened and kind of how it's been ever since.
1: Yeah, that that one's kind of interesting because as we were leading into one of our best events of the year, it's called Minnesota Brewers Ball over 30 breweries come together and it's a big tasting event, right? So now looking back on it, you're like, oh my gosh, mass, maximum exposure, you know, holy cow. Mm-hmm. And we were on on the edge of kind of canceling events. So this event was going to be March 21st this year. And about three weeks out, we were probably in the best place we've ever been for that event. Sponsorship was up. We had 200 people confirmed, which for a beer tasting event, that's crazy because you never get people to confirm until week of the event. And that's just a mad dash to the event. So we're looking great. And we have been monitoring the situation. You're kind of hearing information coming out about COVID and what's been doing in China and how it's slowly spreading and the possibility of it spreading. So you know we're kind of listening to it. And then all of a sudden, I think it was the 12th of March. We come back Monday and everything had changed and the rates were kind of going up in New York and everything like that. So we sat down with leadership and we were the first event in the country to cancel. So it was a really long, hard decision. We were working with our doctors. You know, we have some of the best doctors Mm -hmm. in the world working on cystic fibrosis, immunologists, Mm -hmm. um,
0: Okay, Just top one top moment. people. So you mm-hmm. mean the first event in the CF Foundation? Yep. Okay. Was
1: ours? Brewers Ball was was the first event to be canceled. And the thing we we're trying to be cautious of is, you know, if we set this precedent, you know, what happens? Because we had the volunteer leadership conference coming up uh, three weeks later, where all these amazing volunteers from around the country come together, learn about the newest science take that back to their chapters and get everybody excited for the year. So they were concerned about that. And really what happened was, you know, the exact right move. We got out ahead of it. We canceled the event, unfortunately, but looking back on it, it was the total right move. Now, as far as affecting the team, you know, that was, that was a pretty big blow because you put so much effort going back nine months into an event and For an event person or a fundraiser, you put a lot of value and stock into doing your job and doing it well and getting things going and hosting this amazing event. Leading into it is very important, obviously, for revenue. But when you're at the event, the contact and communication that you get with your donors, your contributors, your volunteers, families with CF that's really where all the magic happens. And that's like the energy that kind of drives us is what we found now that we don't have that anymore. So that cancellation was pretty rough. Then we worked for another week and then the foundation announced that everybody's gonna be going remote. So that volunteer leadership conference, VLC, we held that remotely. And that was on the last Friday that we ever worked in the office. And you know, the the mood I remember it was it was kind of funny because we're all sitting here in this beautiful boardroom that's been remodeled. And we're like, oh, you know, we'll see you in a couple weeks. This is gonna be great. We're gonna work from home, you know, it's gonna be fun. And they they had told us. You know, initially, like, think end of March, coming back into the office. And then I got pushed end of April, coming back into the office. And I think that's kind of where the shine wore off of working from home
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we started canceling all of our walks. And I think I think one of the best parts about the Minnesota chapters, we're one of the biggest chapters in the country. So there's 70 chapters around the country in all the major markets.
0: Mm-hmm. We're
1: one of the largest we have a patient assistance team here called Compass, and they help people with CF with anything you can imagine. You can call Compass and ask them any question. So they've obviously been inundated throughout all this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think one of the biggest and best attributes of our team is that we really come together, you know, when, when things happen like this. And we've, we've never had to deal with anything of this nature, but whenever a problem arises for an event, we really have this kind of group that comes together and right off the bat we started holding morning meetings virtually and that really kind of solidified the team and kind of kept us together but as soon as we heard that we had to cancel all of our walk events which typically take place in may and a little in june and bring in 1.5 million dollars for the chapter Mm -hmm. we quickly sat down as a team and immediately started rescheduling for the fall which allowed us to kind of have another boost in productivity and something to do. And I think that that was kind of a key catalyst and kind of Mm -hmm. keeping us excited and together and working together. So it's been, it's been, it's been tough dealing with that. And I'm sure everybody out there listening knows kind of the mental gymnastics you're doing, you know, like I find my worth in helping this community
0: Mhm,
1: live healthy lives. Yeah. I can't meet with that community. Am I doing my job? Am I good at my job? You know like all this all yeah. this stuff that you kind of go through mentally it's it's interesting, so
0: it is interesting um, because I have heard other uh, other organizations that are nonprofits and just companies in general saying similar things. Like it, You do get the energy from being around the people that you're helping. And even in the coaching industry, just the other day, Rachel and I were talking about how we are missing the events we used to do. And our events were like anywhere from 10 people to 50 people in a room. And we had made the decision to not do them for a while when we rebranded. And we knew we wanted to bring them back eventually, but it's like the, the desire to have that connection is stronger now because we've been without it for so long.
1: Right. And,
0: and I think, you know, you said something really important there that as soon as you, you know, heard that you had to cancel all of your walks for spring, you immediately dove in as a team together to rescheduling everything for the fall. And that kind of Um, that kind of gave you guys that sense of purpose, that Mm -hmm. sense of mission. And you know we can still do this, even though we have to push it back. Um, And I think that's what so many people did when this happened. And there's a good side and a bad side to doing that. Because on the one hand, it does keep you fueled. It does help you feel like this is fine. It's going to be, you know what? There's things that are possible now that maybe wouldn't have been possible before. We can still do this. And on the same side, or I guess on the other hand you you kind of deny yourself that sense of processing the letdown and that turns into something that you carry with you so the next time you have another thing that you have to push back now the weight is heavier because you right. didn't realize you were carrying it with you like that's that's what I've been learning this year and so it's how do you um, how do you balance all of that and not that it has to give equal weight, but how do you assess it and um, give yourself that permission to process it while also being realistic about what what are we doing moving forward? so right. you had you know we rescheduled everything to September and then what was the what was the team morale like when you realized it's not happening this year at all?
1: Yeah, that was, that was tough when we made the switch to virtual events. Um, it was interesting because we're, we handle three states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So as things were you know, progressing in each state, each state handled things differently. So I would say up until end of July, I was holding out hope that we could hold our events in North Dakota. Because they were saying, you know, you could be at 50% capacity in a park. And that was only in the shelter. Mm -hmm. So we would, I was thinking of ways like, okay, families can bring their own tents. We can have a bigger sound system. You know, we can keep everybody apart. We can stagger people at the start. So that's that's kind of where my mind went. But the letdown when we had to go virtual was was pretty tough. Our team is just this well-balanced group of amazing humans and we just did this it's called intrinsics it's kind of like this it's like those those personality tests that you do but it kind of slants towards you know like they give you these colors and things like that and Mm -hmm. the interesting thing for me that came out of it was out of eight people we are completely balanced in all four colors
0: that's amazing that's quite rare actually super
1: rare And it makes so much sense now. And, you know, it, you know, you got the people who are encouraging, you got the analytical people and everybody kind of came together. And I think one of the things we did early on was really focused and kind of doubled down on social media Mm -hmm. and content generation. And this opened us up to something that was, it was right there, but we never really had time to focus on it. But, one of the worst things about cystic fibrosis is people with CF can't be together in the same room. Mm-hmm. So it's such an isolating disease because you can't talk with, and you, you know, speaking to the choir here, you know this better than anybody's you can't sit in a room with somebody who has CF and talk about what you're going through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and empathize with each other and give each other advice. But one of the coolest things about you know the, the age that we're living in is all these virtual abilities that we have now and now we're forced to do Zoom and blue jeans and Teams and every other type of virtual meeting and the coolest thing uh, for me that's come out of the, come out of the pandemic is that the communication we have with the families now is through the roof and when you handle three states it's hard for us to drive to Bismarck because it's 13 hours away or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe, yep. just, maybe just eight, not, nine.
0: Not um, quite 13, more like nine.
1: For <laughs> <laughs> Montana.
0: Right. But, yeah, we're not that far west.
1: Yeah, right, right. Um, so it's been amazing to see the community and how we've been able to engage with people with CF and get them to create videos and join these happy hours. And that's what we doubled down, doubled down on. And our our social channels are just like quadrupling as far as engagement. And what we did early on is we broke into these teams within our team, those teams of two working on different projects within the social media kind of arena. You know, it's one group was working with families to collect videos on their best fundraising tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Another group, you know, was kind of working on content and, um, within the chapter. And one of the things behind us that we started early on, grow our garden. I'm not sure if it's showing up right on the screen. It but is. Yep. So we, we got all the families to kind of sign up their teams and you can see like the start we had, we had the best start in our chapters history for great strides this year. We were, I don't know, it was like 80% ahead of what we were doing the year prior.
0: That's amazing. And
1: we just kind of rolled with that and continue mm-hmm. with that. And, the, the cool part was these little teams of two within our chapter staff got to work together more. And then we split the teams up the next month and everybody kind of shifted and worked on different mm-hmm. things. And, and that really kind of, in my mind, eased our disappointment, I would say, and having to go all virtual on our events yeah. and allowed us to just kind of keep rolling, keep finding value. And the engagement and stewardship piece has really risen to the top as the most important thing we're doing right now because we
0: can't get together. I think you have said so many things that that leaders and entrepreneurs listening to this can take with them and actually apply today. Like, first of all, you said we doubled down to focus on social media and content creation because that really is like content creation is where it's at. You have to be putting stuff out there. And it can also be the thing that burns you out when you don't have everybody on board helping with it. So there is that, you know, you need to understand that and have have everybody on board and, and listen to everybody's ideas because... When personalities are different, certain people are going to want certain content and other people are going to want different things. And it's okay to put it all out there. It's okay right. to use all of it. But also the way that you not only embrace the technology that you were forced to to have to learn, right? But right. also the way that you broke your, um, your team into like partnerships and then would swap it. I'm fascinated by that because I want to know, how did that um, create, like, did it create a stronger teamwork environment than you've ever had before? Or was it just a way to kind of help not lose hope in the midst of all this?
1: I, I think it did a few things. One of the biggest things was that because everybody was kind of dipping into different areas that they normally didn't work in. Um, for instance, Laura on our team, she traditionally works on the gala or gala, however you want
0: to call it, (laughs) depending on where you're at.
1: Yeah. East coast, West coast. Yep. And she usually wouldn't work on great strides, but she got pulled into working on, you know, creating these videos. And I think what it did for all of us is we all got to see what everybody else does and experience what they do. And, gave us a ton of appreciation for how hard, how much work and what everybody's doing. So that, that to me is one of the really cool things that came out of those little individual teams within the group.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, really having that perspective, I think is, is, in life perspective is so huge, you know, with everything that's been going on this year, it's been just a wild, wild ride. And perspective for me, you know, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, you know, ultra lone peaks or stilettos. I don't know if I can <laughs> yep. wear those, but having that perspective is really, is really key. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really benefited the team. And as we switched the groups around, it became even more fun because then you're learning to do a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And the the teams would report back every morning on what they're working on and ask for help. Some of those morning meetings would just turn into kind of a a brainstorm of sorts on unique ideas of things that we could be doing differently. Um Kim, who who had been leading the meetings would always kind of start us off with a really fun question. Mm-hmm. And one day she asked us what our superpower would be. And you know, we're all Midwesterners and we're all pretty, you know, down to earth. And <laughs> as we were listing off our superpowers, we we realized that a lot of them had to do with getting mundane things done so we could have more fun, you know, like
0: superpowers (laughs)
1: to have the house cleaned or the yard cleaned up or, you know, really random things. And from that, at the end of it, we decided to create this challenge called 65 chores for Mm $6,500, where we would do chores around the house and we would all create a checklist and we would shoot videos. And this is all on social media right now. So you can watch mm-hmm.
0: it. Yep. I have seen videos. your video of you mowing your lawn.
1: Oh, that, that was fun. Time that lapse videos are was like super fast.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. I love time lapse videos. They're kind of hypnotizing. So I mowed the lawn with my father-in-law's big tractor. And I put that on my social media. And people could donate to my you know, group. Mm-hmm. And we're all trying to raise $6,500 together. And that came out of one question, what would your superpower be?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And those little engaging things, I think, have been really, truly powerful through this whole, you know, pandemic. And I think we're kind of fighting two pandemics right now, you know, mm-hmm. racial injustice Yep. and the COVID, I think, you know, in my mind, COVID is kind of a lesser factor mm-hmm. um, growing up in Canada. It was one of the most beautiful melting pots I've ever experienced. And, you know, I had probably six or seven white friends. Mm-hmm. Most of them were from India. Um, you know, a lot of Pakistani friends, mm-hmm. um, Hmong, Chinese. So, for me coming back to the states and seeing the difference between Canada and the United States, you now that the the work that we need to do on that is just
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's crazy, and it's it's mm-hmm. a whole whole other you know topic, but. Mm-hmm. having that happen so close to home in Minneapolis, you know, that affected the team deeply.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's like in the heart of our city, how could that happen? And mm-hmm. it takes the shine off of Minneapolis and, um, getting through that, you know, like the hits mm-hmm. just kept coming essentially for the team, you know, and some of the things I was dealing with personally and losing my mom, mm-hmm. all that stuff kind of happened in a four month period. Yeah. And to have our team so strong working together and being able to go to that every morning and having their cheerful faces and ideas and collaboration, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's just been, that team has been the core of kind of, you know, everything as far as what we've been doing as a chapter mm-hmm. and staying engaged, staying on mission, staying yeah. focused on the families that we're working with. It's, it's been interesting.
0: So I I was thinking of this book as you were talking about your your friends who were from India. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books that I read a couple of years ago is by Jossie Chaco, and it's called Madness. Have you ever read mm-hmm.
1: that?
0: No. He was a pastor, or he is a pastor in um, in India, and he wrote a book about the the work he's done there, and just the the culture and the all the different things that that they do with their organization of how they teach the women in their culture to start a business, start a craft, do yeah. something that can really help their um, their community, and that from there they teach them leadership skills and they teach them about faith and they. Because they realized that the way to really affect an entire community was actually through teaching the women these skills because they're the ones who have the hands-on connection with all the people. So exactly. it's a really fascinating book. I have to read it again. Um, but I've been been—I've always been fascinated by by the the culture of India because years ago when I worked, like a decade ago, when I worked at the Stabridge Suites in Fargo as the director of PR – we had a lot of guests that would stay with us for like three to six months at a a time who were from India. And I always made it a point to really, like I would be the one driving them to the airport. So if you can picture this, Drew, here's me driving this this hotel shuttle to the (laughs) airport with like four people from India taking them to their place. Um, It was, we had like 20 minutes to talk because it was in Fargo. So it's a little bit more of a drive. And it was fascinating to learn about their culture and to learn about you know how how they see things or what's different and just the um, like I really wanted to make a point and and say their names correctly so I would always ask them and then I would put it down you know in the computer system so that whoever would pull it up and be able to talk to them could hopefully at least have a chance at saying it right the first time without yeah, right. asking. Right, But cool. um, it is fascinating to learn about other cultures and to realize there are so many different perspectives. And I love how you brought in the whole shoe of like putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. See, it does fit because it really yeah. is about perspective and learning about that. And so I don't, I think you're right. I don't think you're wrong at all about the different pandemics that are happening right now. And you guys are in the heart of it. And you, you had mentioned that, you know, you were going through things personally. Um, You lost your mom in July of this year. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Right. Brain cancer.
1: Right.
0: Right. So you have all of this. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss by the way. I remember kind of, I think I emailed you during that time. um, But, you have all of these things happening on a professional level where it it did, the, the hits just kept coming and coming and coming. And then you have things going on personally. And everybody has that this year on different levels where some people are going through the really hard seasons of life where right. they have to grieve a loved one while also feeling the collective grief of what's happening in society, mm-hmm. um, both, you know, with, with, um, social justice issues, and um, with the pandemic, it's just a heavy year. So I think if we're going to end this um, very uh, encouraging but also real conversation on the challenges of 2020, when you're when you're working with a team, if you could share with us a little bit about how you have maybe wrestled with hope this year in the midst of all of that and what having hope looks like or means to you?
1: Yeah, it's hope. Hope is everything. Um, I think early on, I guess I should back up a little bit. My dad is a uh, Lutheran pastor. So everything I try to do is through the lens of, you know, kind of my faith
0: mm-hmm.
1: and having a, having a strong faith early on has really kind of helped as far as I would say my personality, you know, kind of optimistic all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, believing in God and his son and being able to go to heaven, you kind of know the end of your story. Mm-hmm. And I think for me dealing with my mom and, you know, she was diagnosed. She, she had brain cancer that we knew of for 18 months, essentially. So her treatment was 18 months long. And um, we essentially got 18 extra months with her. And I guess the only way to explain from March to July when she passed, you know, with everything going on is like kind of numbness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I kind of tried to pull away from what was going on in the world and really focus on family. And, mm-hmm. you know, my wife has been so strong through all of this for me. And, you know, we kind of put her family on hold as we were flying down to Florida to be with my mom as much as we possibly can. But really, you know, you're talking about hope, hope is everything. And, you know, the hope for the future and, you know, what's going to be coming next. And that, that for me is all filtered through my faith. So, I try to, I try to pass that along to, you know, the teams that I'm working with and family, especially, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: so I I don't, I don't know if I really did a good job of, of keeping hope through all of that, Mm -hmm. but knowing where my mom was going, that allowed me to realize that I'm going to see her again someday. So really what I need to do is try to carry on her legacy and what she was Mm -hmm. good at and what do I want to carry on? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, one of the members of her team, Channing. She's she's awesome. She just joined mm-hmm. us, you know, like a year ago. You know her.
0: Yep. And and You're right all away, awesome, she's, by the way. You're not yeah. wrong when you say that. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's legit all stars. Yep. And she she said something really impactful to me early on, where she was like, "Just sit down, take a pen and paper, and write down the attributes that you want to carry on of your mom."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> which is pretty cool coming from somebody pretty young, you know, she's mm-hmm. got a really cool background in family counseling and that's really stuck with me. And, you know, now I'm kind of focusing on those things and what I want to carry on in her honor, you know, she was, as a pastor's wife, there's probably one of two ways you can go. You can either be a little bit reserved because you're constantly in the spotlight working with all the families in the church, or you can go the way she went And was just the most loving, outspoken, caring, energetic person around. And the churches that we were always in mission churches, you know, we went up to Calgary to start a church. Uh The churches we were in were so full of life because of her. And my dad will say that all the time, you know, like Mm -hmm. she was a better pastor than I was, which is funny. So once that kind of clicked in my mind, you know, and kind of talking with my wife, Jen, about Mm -hmm. all this stuff and kind of working through it, that spark of energy and hope and joy now is what I kind of focus on every day Mm -hmm. is, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to come out of this better than we were before? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What can I do to help the team be the best they can possibly be? what can I do for my family to be there for them, to keep them connected? Cause that's, that's what my mom did. She was like the connector in the family and knew everybody's birthday, knew everything that was going on with every single cousin, aunt, uncle. How -hmm. can I be that in my own way and kind of carry on, you know, Mm -hmm. what she stood for. And I think that carries into your work life, your personal life, how you take care of yourself, you know, health and wellness. Um, I think that kind of carries into everything you can do. So for me, that's kind of what I'm working on right now is just keeping that positivity and that connector mentality, Mm -hmm. um, mentor, you know, whatever you want to call it, be the best that I can be so the other people around me can Mm kind of reach their potential too. So
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, hope, hope is huge. Hope is key. It's everything.
0: I think, you know, you mentioned, I don't know if I had, if I did a good job keeping hope during that time. (laughs) And um, one of the episodes that I did this year, a few episodes ago was with Bobby Foster, who's another CF um, advocate. And he talked about how he encourages people to lean into the hopelessness because we all go through it. And I wholeheartedly agree with that idea because I think I don't think it's, you know, I used to think it's, oh, you either have hope or you don't. And Uh um, now I think it's way more like it's, there's a whole cycle to it where there will be times where you have less hope because of the heaviness of the world. That doesn't mean that you don't have that hope or belief anymore. It just means that it's, it's a little heavy right now. And it's not what I thought it would be. Or it's harder than I thought it would be when I got to this, you know season where i have to say goodbye to somebody i love um for the rest of my life you know like that grief season comes for all of us at some point all right and there will be less hope like less hopeful feelings within that because that's part of grief that's part of the process of of feeling those feelings and um I just want to encourage you, Drew, because in our conversations throughout all of that time, um, maybe there were moments where I could tell like, yeah, this is a really hard season for you, but you never, um, you never dropped the ball on having that connection and, and really activating that, that legacy that you want to continue. Like, Even in the hardest parts of this year, I've watched you do that. So I hope that that encourages you because I think, I think when we look around as leaders and entrepreneurs and people that are you know looking at life through the perspective of leaving a legacy that matters, we all have to realize that there are going to be times where the best that we can do might not be our best when we're feeling on our A-game, but it's, it's still good enough and it's still okay. <laughs> and people still need that. And it's probably doing more than we think it is.
1: Yeah, that's that's good to good to remember. And thank you for saying that. I mean, you you and I have been really working a lot together, mm-hmm. you know, this year. And it, it all started last year, you know, when you did the bid for a cure speech at Corks mm-hmm. and Kegs up in Fargo, and it was amazing.
0: Who knew um, what that night was gonna lead to, right? The connection right. of <laughs> yeah. of friendship and working together.
1: Right. And meeting your family and Mm -hmm. awesome family. It was super cool. And we have through this whole thing been working together a lot. So thanks for saying that. And also Bobby, that guy is my hero. Mm -hmm. Um, We got to, we got to meet him through a town hall. You know, the, the cystic fibrosis foundation does quarterly town halls and Uh somebody with CF comes in and speaks Uh every quarter. He spoke to us, I think, year or two ago, and just like life changing hearing him. I mean, if you haven't looked at his spoken word, you have to poetry on YouTube. Check that out, people. He's awesome.
0: He is. Yep. (laughs) And if you're listening to this, and you're like, where, where do I find this? How do I connect? I episode 59 has has my entire conversation with him. And we like, he's also a life coach, so yeah. you had two life coaches, both with cystic fibrosis, about eight years apart in age, mm-hmm. um, sharing about their life experiences and talking about hard conversations having to do with racism and sexism and health. And it to this day, it's one of my favorite conversations because it was also a conversation that I was scared to have, if I'm being honest, oh, yeah. because I didn't want to, um, I want to be able to shine a light on things and talk about these, but I also know that I'm not the expert on it. And I don't even know how to bring some of that stuff up right. in um, in a way that doesn't put my foot in my mouth because I'm not uh-huh. used to having those conversations. So um, that was my first attempt. And I said a few things um, or I misinterpreted a few things and he just lovingly helped walk through understanding it and, and getting that message out, which is what I think we need to do because when we are learning from other people's stories and hearing their perspective, we're going mis- to misinterpret things because we're going to want to filter it through our own lens at first. And right. I just, I so appreciated just everything that he shared that day. It was, it was a great conversation. Yeah. And I'm I'm as equally as appreciative of your willingness to come on the show and share too, because what what you guys have seen in your team this year and how you guys have pivoted, which is like, what's the theme word of 2020? Pivot. That's pivot. Pivot. Are you a <laughs> Friends fan? I'm
1: a huge, huge Friends fan.
0: Okay, so we are all yeah. Ross right now, screaming pivot. pivot, pivot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Those and at some point, we're
0: going to have ch- Chandler's coming up saying, shut up, shut up. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I, I think that would be the theme of, of 2020 is just incessant pivoting.
0: Yes, I think so too. Mm. But yeah. I really do appreciate you sharing your story and sharing the things that you've wrestled with this year when it comes to hope and keeping your team together in the midst of this pandemic because it really is... Um, it really is going to be helpful, I think, to boost the the hope and the um, mood of everybody that listens because we can all relate to this in some way. So Drew, where can people connect with you and um, get involved with what you do?
1: Well, I think that one of the best places to check out our Minnesota Codes Facebook page. So we're on there quite a bit, but you can also just email me. I'm not too huge on social media. Uh, <laughs> okay. I do. I do like Instagram, mm-hmm. um, Facebook a little bit, but if you just want to e- email me at my foundation address, it's Hoyer uh, at cff.org.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and thank I you will, for having me on
1: today. It's been
0: you're welcome. super
1: fun. Really and fun. I,
0: I will be sure to post um, the link to the Facebook page and even my, my Great Strides Fundraising um, page if you want to help give and sow into the CF Foundation through my team, as well as um, how to connect with Drew in the show notes too, so that it's all there. So, all all right, right, Drew, thank you so much. And Overcomers, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Until then, may you be healthy, stay creative, and have a dangerous hope. Bye-bye.